This is episode 160 of the Relate Podcast on critically thinking your tech use with Nadja Strider. We are spending more and more time in the online world, looking through our screens and increasingly disconnected with those around us. But studies have proven that it's real life meaningful relationships that bring us the most joy and happiness. It's all about human connection and conversing with people from a variety of backgrounds. Worlds change when eyes meet. So let's sit down and relate. I am your host, Patrick McAndrew, and welcome to another episode of the Relate Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this show where you are learning about how to develop deeper and more meaningful relationships in your life, specifically in the age of technology. And today we have an amazing guest joining us. Her name is Nadja Strider, and she is a psychotherapist, parent coach, and speaker based out of New York City. She has specific expertise in treating adolescents and adults who struggle with video game addiction and other technology-based problematic behaviors, as well as co-occurring disorders. And Nadja, she is a wealth of information. I really think you're going to enjoy our conversation. We talk about her specific experience and how she got into the digital wellness world, how tech was making her busier, how she recognized the unsustainability of the quick pace that technology was putting society at. We talk about ways in which we could develop a healthier relationship to technology through being a critical thinker, through creating tech friction, and also the importance of curating your own content when you are in the social media sphere. We discuss how digital life has become so essential and why it's so important that we practice tech nutritiously. She likens this to eating nutritiously. We must do the same in our relationship with technology. If you like this episode, head over to Apple Podcasts. Let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear from you. Without further ado, let me please introduce today's guest of Relate, Nadja Strider. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Relate podcast. Today's guest is Nadja Strider. Nadja, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to have an opportunity to talk with you. I'm a a big fan of your podcast, so very excited today. Yes, it's so great to have the opportunity to dive into a conversation with you. We, We got connected actually a little while ago. And, you know, I'm very excited to, to finally have you on the show and, and to discuss a variety of, of different facets of the work that you do. You work significantly in the, the digital wellness world and, and specifically helping people with gaming disorders. But I know you also work a lot in uh, other technological issues as well. So I'm excited to dive into this. And I'm wondering if you could just start off by sharing with our listeners how you got interested in gaming disorder and other issues related to excessive tech use. Well, I, I describe myself to, to recap that as somebody who treats digital illnesses, but somebody who's really passionate and interested in digital wellness. 
And I do think that gaming, especially as gaming is increasingly becoming a cultural phenomenon, socially accepted cultural phenomenon, and as our definition of gaming changes, you know, that, that's an, an important to, to move it over into the digital wellness pile. So to really answer your question, um, I am a parent, I'm a mother of three children, and as, uh, it, as it happens, my oldest child, it was appropriate for him to have a digital device at the same time that texting became a really popular form of communication. So we were simultaneously, I as an adult and he as a child, launching into this digital world. And you know, I was able to see um, how that was impacting him and his world. Um, at the same time, you know, I find I found myself under a lot of pressure to um, get. I'm embarrassed to say a BlackBerry. And you know, I was a stay-at-home parent at that point, and it seemed to me like nonsensical that I would need this because that's I didn't work. But I saw that once I had that suddenly I was required now to work harder. It was making me huh. busier. Okay? Interesting. Yeah. And then two short years later, I had a daughter who started high school and she needed a new phone. And I said to her, no, you have to get a BlackBerry because that's how your coach communicates with you. You have to be able to read your email at school. Uh, oh my God. I said that out loud. Like, <laughs> what? What? But that was the truth. And so, you know, I watched how just each one of these, you know, each time we increase our connectivity, each time we expand our reach, like it does make us busier and busier. And I, I've been concerned about the unsustainability. Like that's what got me interested is the unsustainability of the pace. Then I sort of fast forwarded and we're a big sports family watching especially you know in particular my sons and i hate to gender stereotype here but i'm going to you know they like to play sports they like to play sports video games and i thought hmm i wonder what happens when you get older and you're in a relationship when you're married and then you like finish watching you know whatever football game and now you want to play madden like How's that going to fly? Are we looking at an increase in the divorce rate? Like, because these things just increase incrementally. So, NPS, my dad's a sociologist, so that's how my brain works. Yeah, I, I really love what you were saying about how uh, you were starting to think about the the pace, that the, the pace that everyone was starting to be at was unsustainable. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think as technology has continued to advance, it's only become more and more that way. I mean, especially in this past year, too, with everyone being online all of the time. And, you know, I think it's interesting, too, to think about how in a lot of ways it did kind of start with the BlackBerry, because before that, you know, there was texting, you could make phone calls and you had like the the game Snake. <laughs> and that was like that was about it. But as phones have evolved, they have really taken up more of our time uh, in the long run. And and so, yeah, I, I really resonate with what you're saying about about that that fast, quick paced nature that our society has adopted now is is very unsustainable. 
Well, and each time there's a new, you know, so some of my experience and interest began pre-social media for all intents and purposes. Um, but each time there's a new social media platform, it's like the whip is cracked even more, you know, because it's now maintaining, you know, it's, it's maintaining a presence or even if you don't feel the need to maintain a presence, it's the information gathering that, you know, you get from LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook. Like I'm in a lot of professional Facebook groups. Um, forget having time to keep up with what my friends are doing because I have to check on the 15 groups and then let's throw in Clubhouse, you know, and, you know, which <laughs> right. again, as an adult, Clubhouse is sort of almost an essential to maintain presence. So how many hours in a day? I mean, I could just consume, consume, consume all day and not do anything <laughs> at all. Yeah. It, it it's wild and yeah it's it's been interesting to kind of see the the evolution of of this over time and and I love too how you also bring gaming into this as well because I think that's also a very prevalent conversation when it comes to uh, excessive use of technology and and digital wellness and so just given your experience and and what you're doing I'm wondering if you could just share some maybe first steps that that people who may be struggling with an unhealthy relationship with technology what are some first steps that they could implement so that they could overcome that yeah first i i, I do want to rewind for a minute and just and say that you know gaming from the perspective as gaming has evolved it also has taken on this you know greater time demand so it's not just the amount of time that you might want to play, but it's also, you know, the amount of time that it takes to organize play with your friends because you're all going to meet, you know, on this server. You're all jumping on Discord together. Um, so it's, it's just that being more time or, you know, watching a streamer so you can improve your play. And again, you know, that's, it, it's just more time demand. So, um, how, you know, some first steps, uh, being a critical thinker, <laughs> I think that's like the very first step is being a, learning to be a critical thinker and being really self-aware regarding uh, what's your point of diminishing returns. Like, it's fine, you know, whatever you're doing here maybe enhances your life the first hour, maybe enhances your life equally as much the second hour but by the third hour you know are you getting that same unit of enhancement with each amount of additional time you're spending doing what you're doing so you know where's the diminishing returns and then what are the opportunity costs for continuing to do something that isn't yielding the same return um, I used to be a banker, so that's kind of that's where that that's where that comes in, and that's a really big concept. But I don't see a path forward for you know our youth and for ourselves if we don't start thinking in those terms. You know, you know that that's one. I think uh, next step for me is you know creating friction. I'm sure you've heard that before. But, but as much friction that you can create in terms of either deleting an app or deciding, you know, what I like to do is like, I'll have 
LinkedIn days or LinkedIn weeks. And that's what I'm doing. Only LinkedIn for that period of time. LinkedIn feels good. I don't want to do the other stuff. Maybe then I'll have a Twitter, you know, day or week. Like you don't have to, my friction has sort of uh, evolved naturally into this. I don't have to go on all my platforms every single day. Sometimes I have anxiety after I haven't gone on a platform and I see, oh my goodness, what I've missed. But, you know, then again, that's the critical thinking. Okay, how much did that really impact my life? You know, usually not that significantly. Yeah, I, I, I love how you put that too. And to kind of go back on what you were saying about the diminishing returns, I, I'm always, when when people in the digital wellness space talk about the concept of time and, and how much time that these habits take up so much so that perhaps several hours go by and you barely even register it. That, that resonates with me a lot because it's, it's figuring out not only how you could use that time more effectively and, and how you could be more productive with that time, but then also how you could use that time to, to fuel relaxation and, and happiness and, and finding ways to relax that aren't necessarily in front of a screen. And so, yeah, when you, when you were saying that, as well as talking about creating friction for yourself, it's really a matter of putting those habits into place and I, I, you know, it's definitely difficult. It, it's difficult, but I think when when people, when we're able to establish those habits in the long run, I, I believe it makes a big difference. I, I think it's, it is going to become more and more critical. I think also the art of curating, you know, curating um, your content, it will, you know, is, is important. So deciding, you know, like I, what you need, I, I, my guidelines generally have been, uh, you know, educational, informational, inspirational, and, you know, and some humor. Um, but even, you know, what, what, again, in this concept of self-awareness, I'll find that even within that, I sense myself saying, oh, well, you're not keeping up. You know, I see the, the people that I respect are posting and they've got great thoughts and I'm learning so much. And then I and then I'll start to feel a little inadequate because, well, I haven't come up with anything interesting and new, you know, and that, again, fascinates me from the perspective of this hamster wheel. Like now I have to do that, too. And, you know, the, then who am I relating to in real life? Like, I'm not, I maybe won't go out tonight for Cinco de Mayo because I feel like I got to create some more content. So, <laughs> yes, oh, I, I definitely resonate with you on that hamster wheel. And we're, we're fortunate to have people like yourself who, who educate the, you know, the, the general public and, or in your case, specific people on these topics. And there's a comparison that you make in your work that I really love that is comparing eating nutritiously and then teching nutritiously. So I'm wondering if you could explain what you mean by this. Well, you know, I, I take a strengths perspective and I, instead of conceptualizing all of our digital use as an addiction, um, you know, digital life has become an essential function. 
I mean, such to the point where, you know, the judges who are, you know, looking at whether those who were involved in the Capitol invasion should be allowed to use social media, you know, during this time before they are tried or sentenced and so on. And because, because social media has become such an essential function, we have to look at our tech use in a way, the same way as eating. Eating is an essential function. So I can spend my time frivolously, you know, like meme culture, uh, I can be on, you know, frivol frivolously on TikTok or frivolously on Instagram, or again, coming back to curating, like my family rule is you can have your device at the table. I have no problem with that. You can take out your device and there are circumstances where, you know, a timely response is expected um, and needed, but there's no scrolling. If you want to use this as a way to enhance conversation. So, you know, for me, that's the nutritious part of it. We can use this nutritiously because we can enhance our conversation by having this device. You know, what the dessert portion is, what the, what the non-nutritious portion is of your tech use, you know, how many empty calories are you going to eat in a day? And what'll happen if you spend the day eating empty calories? Yeah, it puts things in perspective for sure. And and I what I really love about this this approach is that it doesn't condemn tech use. And and very much in a lot of ways, you're talking about all the advantages that come with using technology, all these positives that could come with with connecting with people and meeting new people online, such as you and you and myself. We wouldn't have probably met if it weren't for the online world. But with that said, it is important to keep in mind how much sugar, so to speak, you're, you're taking in, in addition to the nutritional benefits that tech offers. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, if, if you have any, uh, there's any avoidance, if you have an avoidance personality, um, you know, this is, can be a nightmare. Like this is the easiest tool to exercise your avoidance or if you have you know proclivity to be a workaholic which is one of the you know that's the socially acceptable uh aholism like this is this is just you know a nightmare for your relationship so you know it's not only too much sugar but it's it's the barrier to fulfilling relationships like we can we can talk about all this face-to-face -face connection but there's there still can be a lack of fulfillment and you know intimacy there as well yeah i th think that's a really good point and i know uh that you work with a variety of different type of people in your work you work with with teenagers young adults parents as well in your collaborations, consultations, coaching with these people, what have you have, what have you found have been the, I guess, most effective alternative solutions to being on technology that have proven to be effective uh, for, for a long, long, like long period of time? That's uh, such a complicated question. And, you know, my answer to that pre COVID and my answer post COVID, um, might be slightly different, but 
you know, there, there's some systemic issues, and we'll talk a little bit about kids in this way. So one of the primary complaints I get from parents is that their children are not interested anymore in what they used to be interested in. They used to love to play baseball. They used to love to play soccer. But, you know, now they're, now they're teenagers, and they don't want to do that anymore. They prefer to game, or they prefer to, you know, be on social media, which, again can be used in a lot of really positive ways, gives, gives our youth a voice um, towards social movement. But, you know, so what I come back and I say, well, like, it does, is there a soccer team in your backyard? Like, is that, like, is, are you gonna shame them that they don't have this interest anymore that isn't actually available to them? Because if you have a soccer team in your backyard or a baseball team and they are choosing to stay inside and, and get in front of a screen, then, yeah, you've got a legitimate argument, but don't, you know, if, if these things are not available, then of course their interests are going to change and evolve. Uh, so when I speak to parents in, you know, when I speak on a community level, when there's a, a audience of younger parents, I say, put some pressure on your community, on your parks and rec department to have activities available you know, that, that go into the teen years because there are only so many seats on the high school bus, you know, for the formal team. Like, right. what about all the other kids at school? So, you know, that's a big, <laughs> that's a really big one, a really not easy one. You know, if somebody enjoys, like, you can help cultivate an interest or open a new... Um, idea for someone via the the media that they're medium that they're used to using so you have somebody who likes to game okay let's bring in a dance game all right or you know let's let's bring in something that is slightly different and you might find that you actually do you know ha do have an interest in that topic so I'm all about leaning in like how can we lean in since COVID, it's extraordinarily challenging, you know, parents, like, you're sort of condemned to endless hours in front of a screen. So, right. do it, do it together as much as you can. Um, still continue to demonstrate, you know, I, I never go to the self-checkout line. I think these things happen even on that level. I try to avoid... I'm looking up information about my account by going to www, but instead having a conversation with a human, you know, and I think those little trickle down effect, there's trickle down effect there that does promote non-screen behavior. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big believer that it's those small interactions that we have every day or in some ways that we had every day and hopefully we'll, we'll come back soon. I think those small connections really allow us to feel part of a greater community and and to not be so stuck in this individualistic world that's within our screens, even though we're connected to hundreds, maybe even thousands of people through these various platforms like you were discussing before. I feel like when you're on your device, whether it's your phone or, or computer, it seems very, or it feels very insular. 
But when we have the opportunity to even make those smallest interactions that you were talking about within our communities, it, it really, I, I believe it, it fuels our, our happiness because we feel like we, we belong to a, a tribe of sorts. One thing that's been on my mind a lot is uh, Peloton or, you know, mirror. So interesting conundrum here. If you were somebody who was not going to exercise and now having something at home that allows you, you know, that, that encourages you to exercise. You've invested a lot of money. You can feel part of something. You don't have to spend the time leaving your home. Then that's a great product for you. But I know a lot of people who now have that in their home and are not going to their soul cycle class anymore. And, you know, it's, it's like, again, back to the critical thinking. How is having this at home going to change your life in these small incremental ways? And then there's, you know, what, you know, each, each time we do that, there become, there's easier and easier and easier to stay home. But if you're staying home, oh. you know, you're not having the random interaction. And then again, let's offset that with the fact that you and I met basically online. So, you know, <laughs> right, right. there there's so many big thoughts here and I don't know how this is going to work out. And then, and also some of it, you know, we have to think about like there are some privilege, <laughs> like some of this is also a problem for privileged people um, and less of a problem for not privileged people. You know, people who wouldn't get to go to Paris can maybe get to see Paris on an Oculus, uh, you know, and where you and I might be going to Paris. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it definitely is this this balancing act, so to speak. And I'm wondering if you could speak to either in your own experience or in the, the experiences of the people that you coach, how technology, especially nowadays, has affected our relationships. As you know, uh, we talk a lot about the importance of human connection and relationships a lot on this podcast. So I'd love to hear your perspective on how you believe technology could either help our relationships or hinder our relationships. I think it's ultimately boils down to how you use it. So, you know, coming back to Peloton, if you're using it as an alternative to going to your class where you would see a friend and say hi and maybe see another person that you don't normally see and say hi and just have a, a moment or two of conversation, you know, that's, that's a use that is, is negatively affecting. If you are using your device to capture a sunset, you know, because it gives you pleasure to have that camera on your phone and you look back at that and that gives you pleasure, then that's a positive use. But if you're feeling the pressure to capture that perfect shot so you can post it so you don't feel invisible, um, that's that I think negatively affects relationships because again, you simply don't like that's time consuming. It's, that takes away from a phone call that you might have made, you know, instead. Um, using your device at the dinner table to enhance a conversation can be really positive in terms of connecting, you know, in a relationship. 
So, uh, and sometimes, you know, when you're having fun at the table and everybody isn't wanting to run away, you move away from the device and you move to a board game or a card game or just hanging out and talking because you got interested, you know, in a topic. It sounds trite, but it's going to be about how you use it that's going to impact relationships. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what you were saying, too, about comparing it to eating nutritiously. It really is all about moderation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. And moderation, not just in the empty calories, but also moderation, like... Empty calories, too much sugar, we know is not helpful. But like that doesn't mean you can eat an endless amount of steak and broccoli either. Like that's <laughs> yeah, still not yeah. good for you. Overdoing it, even of the nutritious stuff, is not good for you. Doing it all day, not good for you. Like, you know, pick a few times a day. Um, yeah. Yes, that that is a real I'm so glad you said that. That's a really good point, because I think that sometimes a lot of us will justify spending so much time online and a unhealthy amount, I, I think, in my opinion, too, because we're, we're justifying that what we're doing is it's the, the good side of technology. It's whether it's connecting with people or perhaps we're we're creating content or we're consuming content that is that you know we see as valuable but yeah as you just mentioned i think it's important to not overdo it it's really important that we have that time for for ourselves with our families with our friends uh, away from the screens and have time to uh be with our own thoughts yes you know, have time to be with our own thoughts Although, you know, I have now about four or five mindfulness and meditation apps, uh, you know, which has been great. I've been grouped together. They're on my phone. It's next to my bed. I have my favorites. And, you know, so that has, you know, ironically sort of enhanced my, my being with myself. Like I get it or I get in bed at night and instead of watching something, uh, I turn out the lights and I listen to a story. It's like going back to being ch a child when your parents used to read to you. It's heaven. So, but yeah, it's all all about that balance. So. All about the balance. Nadja, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to join us on the Relate podcast today and for not only taking the time, but I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing as well. You're you're helping a wide variety of people develop better relationships with technology, helping them figure out ways in which they could use technology to the fullest while also making sure that they, they take that time away and, and really establish a, a healthy relationship with how they're using technology and then how it impacts their relationship with themselves and their relationships with others as well. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And I want to add, and also affects work, like productivity <laughs> that, you know, with that we haven't really spoken a whole lot about. And, and, you know, again, more platforms, more eyes away from the actual job. Um, so coming down the line for us I think but anyway thank you so much for giving me the chance to talk about something I feel so passionately about and 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 enjoy yes where, where can our listeners find out more information about you and all the great work that you're doing 
Well, I have a website. It's uh, www.eyesupwellness.com. Um, so that's my, you know, housing of uh, my practice and my thoughts. And I also am programs director at Game Quitter. So you can find me there if it's something that is, you know, specifically, specifically gaming oriented that you're looking for an understanding of or help with. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure to include the links to those various resources in our show notes. So listeners out there, all you have to do is scroll down, click those links provided. Highly recommend checking them out. Uh, Nadia has a variety of different resources as well on our website that I, I went through and, and are very helpful. I have one last question for you before we part ways today. How can we as a society better relate to one another? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> How can we relate? Um, lead with kindness. You know, really lead with kindness. Be non-judgmental. Understand that, you know, what it might be to walk in someone else's shoes. Have greater self-awareness. And, you know, understand that other people's behavior is not necessarily a direct reflection on you. You know, there are, there are an enormous number of people who are struggling with um, mental health challenges or diagnoses, you know, that, that others don't realize. And so when they're abrupt or seemingly rude, like take a minute, you know, to think about they don't, they don't have that social skill that maybe comes so naturally to you. So relate with kindness, relate with compassion. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Relate. You can let me know your thoughts on this episode by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. Or if you have the Anchor app, feel free to call in and leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. You can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.